As you're grabbing a seat, you can get your note cards out, and uh, we're going to have a great time together. We are in week two of a collection of talks called The Thrill of Hope, understanding that this season is an exciting time, not just because of the lights and the gifts and the movies and all of the above, but because we're celebrating the hope that has a name, and that name is Jesus. And I want you to know today, if it's been a while since you've been in church, or you're going through a situation or a storm right now, or just a difficult time, I want you to know that there is hope. We wear these little wristbands, and we have them for you if you want one, that say there is always hope, because the Bible promises us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is here in this place. He is with us. He is for us, lifting us up and encouraging us today. We want you to know that you can have a real and life-giving relationship with him that is true and powerful, and that will never let you down. That's the thrill of this hope that we believe in. It's exciting. And our church, man, we are rallying around bringing hope local into our community this season. Before I jump into the message, I want to give you really quick things that we're doing that you can be a part of. Uh, the first thing is right out in the lobby, we have this thing called the Local City Angel Tree. And on that tree are some ornaments that have the list of names of a, of a young child, a young foster child that you can adopt uh, to buy gifts for so that they can have a great Christmas. I think we have maybe one or two cards left. The only thing is, if you don't just run out and take one and leave, we got to make sure we get your information so we can follow up with you and give you the information on how to drop the gift off so we can make sure that beautiful wrapped Christmas gift gets to the kid that it's meant for. And then this Saturday, something we do every year is called Affordable Christmas. This Saturday, we partner with an organization called Current Initiatives, which is the same organization that we do our laundry projects through. And Affordable Christmas makes Christmas affordable for low-income families. It gives them the opportunity to buy gifts of 50 to 75 to $100 for one, five, $10, so that they can be the heroes in the household. They've worked hard this year. And we wanna help provide Christmas gifts to families who have worked hard this year, but maybe still need a little help. And we wanna be able to do that as the church and as our community. And so you can volunteer for that event, or you can just financially give to it if you scan that QR code that's up behind me. And it's gonna be a great day as we bring hope to some little kids and make sure they got a packed gift mountain under the tree on Christmas morning. And then of course, we can't wait for our Christmas Eve services right here at Hillsboro High School, December 24th, 5.30 p.m. It's gonna be an hour-long candlelight service. Man, we cannot wait. Everyone's going to be here together, the whole family, kids. It's going to be so exciting, so powerful, and we always have a nice little family photo booth for you as well. And today, as well as Party Sunday, which is really exciting because we like to have fun at church, so afterwards we'll have a photo booth for you, some food, all that good stuff. Hang out and meet some people today. Well, let's jump right in to the message this morning. If you want to get your cards out, your notes that you were handed when you walked in, again, like I said, we're in Thrill, Thrill of Hope Week 2. And the title of today's message is A King Like No Other. The title of today's message is A King Like No Other. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite groups of people that gets to interact with Jesus during the Christmas time. But the king, king is an interesting word, right? And I think it's so important to think of Jesus as our king. To think of Jesus as someone, when you think of a king, and we can think of Jesus the same way, a king is someone who has power. I want you to know today that we believe in a God who has power. Whatever's going on in your life, I, I promise you, it is not more powerful than the God that is on your side. I've heard it said before that sometimes uh, we like to tell God how big our problems are, 
But I think today, as you'll see, is we can begin to tell our problems how big our God is. Can I get a good amen if you believe that today? I mean, the power of God is on our side. The power of Jesus is with us today because he is our king. The second thing a king does, a good king does, is he provides covering over his kingdom, over his people. Protection, he provides them walls, he provides them safety. And I want you to know today that's what Jesus offers you as your king. Protection, power. And the last one is that a king always gives his people strength. To know that when he is in the room, something's different. When he is near them, they have strength to continue to fight, continue to take on one more day. And I want you to know today, maybe you're looking for strength. Well, I believe Jesus, your king, can breathe strength into your soul, into your spirit, into your heart today. Whatever you may have walked in this place with, I promise you, because of the power, the protection, and the strength of our King Jesus, you don't have to walk out the same way. You don't have to walk out alone. You can walk out knowing that there is a community of church people around you who care for you, but also there is a God who is on your side because Jesus is a king like no other, right? We believe that today. And maybe when you think of king, you think of medieval kings and the big, you know, gold crown. Maybe you think of King Kong. I don't know. Maybe you like that movie. Maybe you think of, uh, you're like me. You know, my wife always makes fun of me because when I, you know, I try not to eat fast food as much as I approach my mid-30s, but I was a big Burger King fan growing up. We were a Burger King family, man, because we had one right down the street. Come on, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders. Don't upset us at BK. You can have it your way. That sounds good to me. All right, maybe that's what you think about. Or maybe you do think about the king that we're celebrating this season. And what Jesus has done for us. I love this verse in Romans chapter five. It says this, it'll be up on the screen for you. It says that therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Would you, would you circle this phrase for me on your notes where it says, where we now stand? I want you to know today that you can stand in the presence of God. As we sang today, you can lean back and trust that his love is never failing. His love is available to you today. And that you can stand in the presence of God and be with him because that's really what he wants. That you can be with Jesus today as we move forward in our life and celebrate that he is the greatest king, the greatest gift the world has ever seen and the world will ever know. As we continue with our conversation, I want you to think about this, write this phrase down. It is so comforting to know a God that we cannot exaggerate. It is such a comfort for me this morning that I know a God that there is no possible way I can exaggerate, I can over-celebrate, or I can over-describe to you. He is that good. There is no exaggerating who God is. He is a promise-keeping, miracle-working, way-making God who is here for us today, who is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. While we were still sinners, Jesus gave his life. Come on, we cannot over-exaggerate who God is today. And I'm excited. And the goal for me today is to help you know the King of Jesus like I know him. This is not just for me, it's not just for the people you see on stage, it's for you. It's for your Monday through Saturday. It's for your Christmas morning, but it's for every morning. That you could know Jesus, be excited about him as I am. And yeah, I've gone through difficult seasons, and you will too, but I promise you there is a God who sticks so close to you. And so much so that the Apostle Paul, when he writes to his close friend Timothy, he talks about 
really who Jesus is going to be called. If you want to throw it up on the screen, here's what it says in the book of Timothy. If you want to throw it up for me, it says, chapter 6, verse 15, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God. He'll be revealed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want you to know today, God wants, you to, re- God wants to reveal to you this morning, Jesus, as the King of kings in your life, that you can trust him. He's protecting you, and he's given you strength when you need it. Let's, get, let's jump into it today. Come on, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we open our hearts and just get in a posture of receiving from the Lord today. Lord, we thank you so much. God, we know we can't do this without you. So we just give you these next few minutes as we listen and lean into the things that you're showing us, to the things that you're teaching us. And God, we trust you today above all things. We trust you. And we know that you are our king. God, I pray that you would be with us today as we write things down and we would simply just open our hearts to you. Be with all of our incredible kids next door and local city kids and our kids team, making church fun and helping them know Jesus is their very best friend, even at a young age. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. We're here today ready to receive from you. In Jesus' name, we all say, we all pray. Come on, give me a good amen if you're ready for it today. Man, I was thinking about uh, the the group of people that we'll be talking about in the message today, and it reminded me of something that, uh, you ever just have something happening or someone saying something to you and you really don't get what they're saying? You ever have one of those things happen to you where like uh, someone's trying to tell you something and you're like, I'm sorry, man, I just don't get it. It leads to like some confusion, maybe lead to some arguing, like someone is saying something or trying to point out something to you and you're like, I don't get it, what are you saying, right? Like slow down for me. Well, this happened with my wife and I recently. Um, we went to, we took our son Shepard, who was three and a half. We took him to uh, Disney Springs. Uh, as I've said before, that's kind of our Disney world for him right now, because opposed to paying a hundred plus dollars to get him into the Magic Kingdom, I can pay three bucks and he can ride a train and a merry-go-round that is just the same to him and to get out of there for six dollars. It's awesome. All right, I like that right now. Now I know eventually I'm not going to be able to trick him into believing that free downtown Disney Springs is real Disney, but that's okay. It's working right now. Well, we were there uh, a, a couple weekends ago, the weekend after Thanksgiving. We were walking around, looking at all the Christmas stuff, and, you know, we said, hey, go, hey, buddy, go pick out a toy. Of course, he rode the train, the merry-go-round, all that stuff. But as we were walking, uh, for some reason, he just started going, hey! And I didn't know why. He was like, hey! I was like, <laughs> Shepard, what are you doing? And he's like, he's like, hey! And I said, Shepard, what are you saying? A what? Like, do you want to go back to a store? Do you want to get a gift? Like, what are you saying? A what? And finally he goes, hey! This is what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> if you could see it, there's a big giant A on one of the restaurants there. And I was like, oh, Shepard, I'm sorry. I thought... <laughs> You were just having a moment where you were just trying to say your ABCs. You couldn't remember what came next, but hey, oh, sorry, buddy. He's pointing at it right now. Even three and a half year olds get frustrated sometimes when people don't understand what they're saying, right? Big sign right in front of me. I had no idea what he was talking about. See, I think there's moments in our lives where God is trying to show a big sign to us. (laughs) He's trying to draw us somewhere. And he may not sound like my three-year-old son. Hey, he probably sounds a little different than that. He probably sounds a little bit more like, hey, I'm trying to show you something here. And it's when we kind of slow down, maybe remove some of our frustrations or disbeliefs and say, God, okay, what are you talking about? Where are you trying to lead me and guide me? 
We're going to pick up with a group of people in Matthew chapter 2 that this is what's going on in their life. Let me read it for you. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, I just got to stop for a second because I think there's some power in you, for you in this line right here. But when it says, after Jesus was born, I just want you to know today that everything that we have in our life, the benefits, the blessings, the future that we have with God, is here today because it's after Jesus, right? Like Jesus is the one who went first. Jesus is the one who, like we read, has given his life for us even when we didn't deserve it. After Jesus, it's everything else, right? Like as we're talking about during this Christmas season, now maybe not the exact year, but all of history is centered around the way we date our entire system is all centered around after Jesus, right, like B.C. and A.D., right? The B.C. definitely stands before Christ for the longest time, even when historians try to change it. Now they've changed it to like B.C.E. and C.E. before Common Era, Common Era. It's still the same date they're centering around, which is when Jesus stepped into existence, when Jesus stepped into this earth, when he came down to humanity and brought heaven to earth. It's after Jesus. I want you to know that when we surrender and trust Jesus with our life, man, we feel fulfilled, we feel encouraged, we feel like who we we are actually created to be as sons and daughters of God. For some of us, it's time to say thank you to the Lord again for what he's done in our life after Jesus. But I was a side note, I'll just keep going. (laughs) About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. And at this, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as, he, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel." So let's slow down here in a second. Look, look what's going on. So a very famous occurrence in the Christmas story is a star rises and these rulers, these wise men from the east begin traveling to follow this star. Now you need to know that it wasn't just because they saw a random star and were like, that star looks cool. I guess we'll follow it. What a weird thing to do, right? There's a lot of context behind this. There's a lot of context behind what's going on here, behind who these people are. Now, these wise men, they were also called the Magi or the Magoi, really cool words right there. Um, But they were really well-known scholars when it came to astronomy. They had studied the stars pretty much a lot of their life and had learned what the stars communicate to us and show us. But what they also began to read and understand was that they began to stumble upon scrolls or histories from people like Daniel, who are Old Testament people in the Bible, and began to read about the fact that a Savior was coming to the earth, that a Messiah was coming to his people. Now, some biblical scholars believe that these magi, or some of these wise men, actually were descendants of exiled people from Israel from generations before, that when Israel was exiled from their home, they were scattered. And some scholars believe that these these magi, these wise men, were descendants, and they had heard their Grandparents, parents talk about this, that one day a Messiah will be born. It'll be a sign unto you that the prophecy will be fulfilled and a star will shine in the sky announcing 
his birth, announcing his coming to earth, announcing that the Messiah is here. This encourages me because it reminds me that even when I feel outside of home, even when I feel alone, even when I feel like I've been forgotten about, God is going to step in at just the right time and show me where to go and show me who he is and show me that he hasn't forgotten about me. Think about these wise men's families, exiled years and generations. There's like a 400-year gap between the book of Malachi and Matthew in the Bible where God doesn't say anything. Silence. And then all of a sudden, we talked about last week how the first cry is the cry of a baby, son of God, but also a sign in the sky of a star. And it brings these wise men on this journey to meet Jesus. I want to show you a picture because I want you to understand there's some things culturally we miss out about who the wise men are. So we normally think of like three wise men, probably because there are three gifts that we're going to talk about. But there were way more than that. It was a whole caravan of these people. A whole caravan of people that had been waiting for this moment, had been waiting for God's sign to show them where to go, to direct them that the Messiah had been born. And they left everything and began to follow this star. And it leads them to Jerusalem. Actually, it really just kind of leads them to the area. And they think that that Jerusalem is where the Messiah is going to be born because it's the big city. It's the capital city, right? It's the New York City of their time in that area. It's not like the Dade City of where we live, right? <laughs> like if you're from there, apologies, but it's no New York, all right? Uh, but, but what happens is they all go to Jerusalem, and there's a king there by the name of King Herod. And so the wise men come to him and say, hey, we know the Messiah of the Jews has been born. We've come to worship him. Herod says, excuse me, there's only one king. There's only one Messiah around here, and his name is Herod. So he's deeply disturbed by this. And then this scripture tells us that he calls in all the religious priests and he says, where, where and when is the Messiah going to be born? Well, the sign is here. The star is shining that the, the Savior is being born. And they unpack the scroll and read that, it's going to be, that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Smaller town. Poor town. And so the wise men take this message and they say, okay, well, we're out of here. And Herod says, well, will you let me know where, where he is, where you find him? Because I would love to come and worship him too. And the wise men are like, ah, sounds fishy. I don't think that's true. Um, but we're going to leave, and maybe we'll come back. Maybe we won't. Probably not. And so they leave and head to Bethlehem. I want you to write these three things down, because this is what we see in this story, is that there's three responses to Jesus as king in this first portion of Scripture. And it's that, number one, King Herod opposed Jesus as king. The Bible tells us he was deeply disturbed. Herod was a deeply disturbed people, a person. He had a group of, like, 200 men that were paid and threatened under the penalty of death, I believe, to make sure that whenever Herod died, they would come to his funeral and talk all these good things about him. You want to talk about insecurity and vanity, that's a good definition of it right there. So he was deeply disturbed when his position, this is important for us, he was deeply disturbed when his position was threatened. So what do you do? Oppose Jesus right away. Nope, he's not the king, I am. Now, again, maybe it doesn't look like that in our life, but maybe it looks like this. Oh, Jesus, I mean, yes, you are the king, but I like to have control. Um, I, yes, you're king, but, you know, I like to do things my way. Um, I have a certain way I like to do things, and if I get out of habit and get out of routine, I really begin to, but, I, but hey, I'm trying to lead you. No, no, it's okay, I'll get there, I'll go my own way. Really, it's, an oppo it's opposing Jesus as our king. Second thing is the priests is they dismissed Jesus as king. 
They knew all the right stuff. They, knew, they literally helped the wise men find Jesus. They said, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem. Oh, we're at Jerusalem, so we need to leave. All these priests knew the story. They knew there was gonna be a sign in the heavens that Jesus was born. They even knew where it was gonna happen. Now, if I was a priest and I knew all this stuff, that the Son of God was stepping into this earth, when and where he was gonna be born, I'm not just looking at all those signs actually happening and seeing people see it and say, hey, Jesus is born, we've come to worship him. I'm not gonna just sit back and be like, oh, well, I guess, yeah, it's cool. I know that it's happened, but I'm not going. They dismissed Jesus as king. They dismissed it as not important because it wasn't what they expected. How often have we missed out on what God wants to do in our life? How often have we missed out on a deep experience of Jesus in our life because we were so focused on what we expected to happen that when it didn't happen that way, we gave up and dismissed it as not God when God is like, hey, you're right there. I know it's not what you expected. Would you lean in? Would you just step out a little bit? Would you trust me? And this was a foreshadowing for what the religious priests would do all of Jesus' life, dismiss him. It's not who he said he was. Even when he would perform miracle after miracle. Even when he rose from the dead, nope, I don't believe it. The only appropriate response is what the wise men did. As we're gonna see, the wise men bowed to Jesus as king. There's only one response to Jesus. I wanna let you know this. It's to bow to him and to trust him. When we bow, it's a symbol of surrender. It's giving ourselves up. Letting go of protection, letting go of power, letting go of control, Letting go of expectations. Just saying, you know what, Jesus, you're the king. I can't do this without you. I've tried. And the wise men traveled for a couple years to see Jesus, thousands of miles with a great crowd of people. And here they are. Here they are, Matthew chapter 2. Let's finish it off. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 9, it says this. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it was, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I love this stuff. I love that it says that the star went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. I don't know if you guys saw this picture of, of uh, the Skyway here where we live uh, a couple days ago. Uh, I mean, that's pretty crazy. All, I mean, even this morning, like, I'm like, God, where am I living right now? I'm not used to all this fog. Like, what's happening? And this is a picture from the Skyway, all that fog, and just a little bit of the bridge peeking out. Now, if you were driving, I mean, I kind of get a little bit, you know, on, on guard when I drive up the Skyway normally. But with this, I can imagine but just that little bit poking out of the top where the fog couldn't take it, where the clouds couldn't completely cover it up is enough probably to see, okay, you know, the top's okay, so let's keep going. It's everything else that you can't see. If something's peeking out just a little bit, it gives you comfort to know, well, the top still exists. I'm not just driving off this bridge and there's gonna be nothing there. There is something there that is going to catch me, propel me, move me forward. That's what the, that's what the wise men saw with the star. I love that it says it went ahead of them. Can I tell you one of the best things about Jesus as our king is he goes ahead of you, that he leads the way, that he goes first, that you're just following in his footsteps, that you're not walking alone, you're not walking on your own effort, that Jesus has gone ahead of you. 
Maybe even today, you're thinking about beliefs or questions that you have about this whole God thing. I want you to know that Jesus has gone ahead of you and saying, hey, bring all those doubts, bring all those questions, bring all the hurt, bring all the brokenness. Come on, I'm ready for you. I can take it, I can carry you. I'm your king today. I wanna be there for you. He's gone ahead of you by giving his life and conquering death so we could be forgiven and set free today. The wise men knew that this was the miracle that was Jesus' life. He was the Messiah. So if the only thing they could see was a star, they were going to follow it until it led them to the presence of Jesus. That is powerful. It's miraculous. And it shows us just how far God is willing to go to bring people to his son, Jesus. I love this idea that the first, the wise men get it wrong. They go to the popular place. But then the star leads them to Bethlehem, leads them right to the house of Jesus. What I love about church is we, we say it all the time, local city, this is home. Because I believe it's in a home of community of welcoming and belonging where you will see Jesus for yourself, where you will see Jesus for who he is, just like the wise men did. Put yourself, though, in Mary, Mary and Joseph's shoes. You just had a baby. At this time, like I've, I've said before, you know, our nativity scenes that we put up at Christmas kind of lie to us. <laughs> the wise men were not there when Jesus was a little, little baby because they saw the star when he was born. Took him a couple years to get there, so Jesus was like toddler age. And so you put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes. I mean, Jesus was still a full toddler, so probably a little intense, probably a little full of energy. And then you hear a knock at the door, and you open it up, and there's like a 100 dudes on camels saying, hey, we've come to see your son. I'm sorry right now. It's, 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 it's our routine of bedtime. And uh, you're going to have to come back in the morning. Um, we've already done his bath. We've already, he's had dinner. He's brushed his teeth. And now you can't interrupt that, so you're going to have to come back. <laughs> no, no. It's like, no, we're here right now. We're here to see him. Oh, all right. Well, okay. Come on in. And, and so they get to see Jesus. They pack the house to be able to be around the Son of God. And I love, I love what it says. There's tons of people, tons of these wise men, Magi, around Jesus. And the reaction is, oh, he's just a baby? Oh, no, no. This is, this is God in human form. This is the son of God. I am in presence. Who knows if they picked him up and held him or who knows what. But it was awesome. They knew that this was the son of God. This is where God had been leading them and guiding them. They were so thankful that they got to be in the presence of the Messiah, of the Savior. So much that it wasn't just enough to worship him. They brought him gifts. You know, today is heart for the house. And we're talking about how we bring gifts of offering to God because number one, he deserves it, but number two, he's gonna do something with it and he's gonna continue to provide and bless our life because we're trusting with him. But let me give you some, some understanding about these gifts. Uh, there are three gifts with purpose. I want you to know today that you have purpose. Turn to the person next to you, give him an elbow and say, hey, don't forget, you have purpose. You have purpose. It's why we have growth track right after service today. Just hang out for 25 minutes and I'll show you that you have purpose. You have purpose in this house. I wanna answer any questions you have about calling local city your home church. But hey, we wanna be there for you and help you realize that God's gifted you already with purpose. And when the wise men used, they used their gifts of knowledge and intellect and astronomy to find where Jesus was, they bring him gifts. Three things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I got my three little wise men here. Remember, there's way more, but I've got my three little wise men here. Find, found these on Facebook Marketplace this week. I was very excited about them. Um, but this first wise man is Belthazar, I think is how you say his name. He's the one who brought gold. Now, again, this is just, you know, kind of not scripturally accurate, but just go with me. Uh, he def one of them definitely brought gold. 
And gold was a gift that you would give a king. Gold crown, gold jewels. It was to signify that Jesus is our king. So what they brought, to recognize and say, hey, you are a king who is worthy of it all. That you are a king who is in control. That you are a good king who is going to lead us and reign over us and rule over us with goodness and grace and love and truth. We want to give you something that recognizes who you are, even at this young child age that you are. The next one is uh, Gaspar, and uh, he brought some frankincense. And frankincense means our high priest. Frankincense was actually incense that the priest would light when he would pray, and it would signify the prayers of the priest ascending into heaven. Now, if you're familiar with later on Scripture in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is our high priest. That what they say in Hebrews is that Jesus is not some high priest that doesn't understand what it's like to walk this earth. Really, it's saying that we don't have a high priest in our life who is at a distance. We don't have a high priest in our life who doesn't know what it's like to be human. We don't have a high priest who is detached or distant from us. We have a high priest who knows what it's like to live on this earth, to be betrayed, to be hurt, to have people leave you. He, we, we serve a high priest who knows what it's like to experience God here on earth and to believe in people and raise them up and see miracles happen. We don't have a high priest who is way out here saying, do what I do. We have a high High priest who is right in the trenches with us saying, follow me, I'm with you. Come on, let's do this thing together. That's right, Gaspar, it's good stuff. All right. And this last one is Melchior, which a little uh, tidbit for you of Pastor Ryan trivia, I played Melchior in seventh grade at my Christian school, and I was good. Uh, anyway, uh, he brought myrrh, and myrrh was our ultimate sacrifice, it was used in burials. It was used as an embalming fluid. It was used in death. And that seems kind of morose, but it is one of the ultimate reasons that Jesus came, to give his life, to die on the cross for you and for me, to take on all our sin and bear the punishment that we could not pay by giving his life, by dying, by surrendering himself. Again, Jesus was not killed. He sacrificed himself for you and for me. No one has power over Jesus because he's our king. He willingly gave himself up. And the myrrh symbolizes that this was the destiny that Jesus had, to give his life, but to not, as we know, stay dead, but to walk out of that grave in three days alive and well, to let us know that, hey, I'm the ultimate sacrifice, and hey, I'm still alive with you today. I have not forgotten about you. I've not been conquered. I'm a king who is available to you today. I'm a king who is with you today. I am a king like no other. It's the beautiful power that we see. I was reading some commentaries about the wise men, and I, and I loved this quote from Charles Spurgeon. If you'll throw it up on the screen, it says this right here, and, and unpacking kind of what the wise men did and who they were. It says, those who look for Jesus will see him. The wise men looked for Jesus for years in the sky. Those who truly see him will worship him. You'll leave everything to worship Jesus. And those who worship him will consecrate their substance to him. Now that's pretty much a fancy way of saying they will trust him with what they have. They will give him their very best. They will know that God can do way more with what they have than we can do with, we can do with it on our own. So if we look for Jesus, the promises we'll see him. If we worship him, we'll be again to experience his goodness and his love. And our reaction once we finally get a moment with Jesus is say, God, I have, 
Whatever I have is yours. Whatever I have is yours. So as we close today and the worship team comes out, I wanted to give you three things as we finish. And three things of how powerful it is to seek and see Jesus as our king. If you could throw that statement up for me. I think it's just so powerful to see and seek Jesus as our king. Number one is that what we see with the wise, what we see in our story is that he knows what you left behind. He knows that the wise men left home for two years, two plus years to seek Jesus. He knows they left everything that they had ever known, left their families, left their friends, left what was comfortable to go after and follow this star that's all they could see in the sky, to follow it for a distance. For after a few months, I'm sure some of them were like, ah, I gotta turn back. But he knows what you've left behind. I don't know if you ever traveled with a bunch of people, like a road trip in a full car. There's a lot of complaining. There's a lot of backseat drivers. There's a, lot of annoy- There's a lot of annoying comments and things like that. But hey, the wise men kept going. The Magi kept moving forward because they knew what they were leaving behind and so did God. He knew that it wasn't just for any human reason. It was for a divine reason that God was coming to earth. He knows what you've left behind. He knows what following him means when it comes to maybe leaving relationships or leaving friendships that have dragged you down or have hurt you. He knows what it's like to maybe leave sin behind or addictions behind that have, that have held you down for so long. He knows what it's like. The second thing is, is he knows what you've been through. He knows the year journey that those wise men went on over mountains, through the desert, through valleys, camping out, continuing to move forward one day, one step, one mile at a time, to know that at the end of the road was the Son of God, Jesus, that they could experience in a truly real and powerful way. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you've left behind. And the third thing is this, is he knows what it's cost you. I think one of the most freeing things that I've held on to in my life is that Jesus has known the things that it's cost me to follow him. Maybe the things that you've sacrificed or the things that you've let go of. These three gifts that the wise men bring, they cost something. They were expensive, kingly gifts. It wasn't just like that gift that keeps reoccurring at your workplace white elephant gift exchange, right? That just somehow that ugly ornament or whatever it is like shows up randomly year after year. This was something that cost them resources and time and treasure and they laid it at the feet of Jesus at this young age to say, hey, you're going to be our king. You're going to be our high priest who helps us experience God and you're going to be our ultimate sacrifice who pays for our sin. There's just something so peaceful and powerful about that. Can I speak to you today? Let me just speak to your heart today. God knows what you left behind. God knows what your past looks like. God knows what's happened to you. God knows what you've been through. He knows the trials and tribulations and hurts and brokenness that you've walked through in your life. And the third thing is, is he knows what it costs you. He knows what it's cost to spend time with him and maybe be patient and wait and, and things like that. He knows, he knows, he knows. One of the most freeing things I've seen in my life is the last thing I wanted to show you. When I thought about the travels of the wise men, the first thing I thought about was they probably needed something that showed them the direction in which to go. And that was the star. It was the star that they followed. 
It amazes me to think of how people traveled back then and went on long voyages and they didn't have what's in my hand, a, a compass. It's a picture on your screen because I ordered this from Amazon. I thought it was going to be a lot bigger and then it came like this. And I was like, well, I guess I need to put a picture of it up on the screen. But obviously we know a compass. It's north, south, east, and west. It's got the magnetic arrow that points us in the right direction. But there's a very important thing on the top of this compass. And it's that red arrow called the point of travel. And this point of travel is very important. I looked up like rules that you need to follow when you're using a compass. I mean, you can't just like, normally my reaction is to use a compass like this. I don't know why. But, but, but they said you need to make sure it lays flat. Can I encourage you to lean back and lay down today and just trust God? To let, just set it at God's feet. Set it at the feet of Jesus. The second thing is, is they make, this is actually what it says. It says make sure you're not experiencing anxiety or stress when you're trying to use a compass. Because if you're like me, you'd be like, where do I go? I'm lost. Like shaking is going to mess up. How is this trying to lead you? So take a deep breath. Know that God is good. Know that he is your king. Know that he is your power, your protection, and your strength. But the last really important piece, they, it was in both the do rules and the definitely don't do rules. It was to make sure that red arrow, the point of travel, is always pointing away from you. If you're trying to figure out where to go or figure out what to do or figure out what God is doing in your life, make sure the arrow is pointing away from you. Isn't our natural reaction to when life gets intense or life gets stressful or during this Christmas season where we're trying to do so many things and be in so many places or we're trying to earn and succeed or be accepted that our natural reaction is, all right, what do I got to do? What do, I, uh, what do I need to know? How can I work this way out? But God says, hey, would you just follow me? Would you just turn the attention off yourself? Would you just trust me that I know what I'm doing, that I'm leading you and I'm guiding you and I'm showing you where to go? Will you trust me that when you give and, and offer things up to me that I'm not just gonna take it and, hold, and hoard it for myself? I'm gonna pour out a lavish blessing on your life because you're making a difference that is an eternal impact moving forward. Come on, point the arrow away from you, back on Jesus, and let him show you things you never could find on your own. Jesus is a king like no other. That's why today we bring him gifts. That's why today we lean into who he is. And right now as we close, I'm gonna talk about our heart for the house offering just in a quick moment. When you walked in, you were given an offering envelope and this is an offering that is above and beyond. To say, you know what, God? It's the end of the year. It's your birthday, Jesus, so I'm bringing a gift to you. And I'm saying, and all we would ask you today is there's no pressure in this. It's just saying, hey, God, what would you have me do in simply saying yes? The Bible tells us that when we pray and decide in our own heart, God shows up and uses that gift to do a miraculous thing. The three quick initiatives for Heart for the House and, the, and what we're trying to raise today is to build a church in, in Africa, in Kenya, a church that meets there under a tree. We're gonna build a building for them. The second thing is, is we want to begin to help renovate and upgrade some things here in the auditorium at the school that both helps our school, but adds value to what we're doing on Sundays as well. And the third thing is, is we have a vision to put a stake in the ground here in our community, to be here for a long time, to bring the hope of Jesus local. What we give today, what we sow into today is going to make a difference for eternity. It's not just our goal that Tampa would be closer to Jesus a year from now. It's our goal that Tampa would be closer to Jesus 100 years from now, 500 years from now, so that my, so my, my kids, kids, kids 
will have a place that they can call home. They're experiencing Jesus in a real way and lives are being changed. And you can give those, you can give through that envelope today or you can give on the ways online that are on there from Venmo to local localcity.church slash give. Just make sure that you select the fun heart for the house. But I'm gonna pray over us today. Would you stand to your feet as I pray over our offering today? And,